0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 1, 1 through 6, called The Lord Is.
1: Well, Father, it is good to be in your house, it's good to be with your people. Um, as we come before the book of isaiah tonight lord it is uh, such lofty glorious um, scripture and has so much to say to a generation a church that um, sometimes lord it feels like our hearts our the profession of our lips and our hearts uh, don't always match lord and that is part of our struggle but we We look to you now, Father, because we know that you're a God of compassion. You're a God of mercy. But yet you want our hearts to be pure and clean before you. And so, Lord, as we study this majestic book, we pray that you'll give us clarity, inspiration through your Holy Spirit, direction. Your word is already inspired, but that you'd inspire us to follow it. That you would stir in us hearts to change where we need to change that you would stir in us eyes to see what we need to see, ears to hear what we ought to hear. We are your people called by your name, Lord. And Isaiah means the Lord saves. And the beautiful thing is you're an awesome Savior. You've saved us from our sins and called us to yourself. Called us with a holy calling. And so, Lord, we want to be true worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth tonight. We want to set aside... The sin that so easily entangles us, Father. And walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we have been called. So tonight, Lord, we lay our hearts before you. Um, Do the surgery that you need to do tonight. As we go through the book of Isaiah, there's so much ahead for us that is rich, um, so much that is uh, beautiful, and so much that is challenging as well. And so let us be ready to hear your voice, and may your voice speak. May I get out of your way, Father, and may you give us ears to hear what your Spirit says to your people, in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to start Isaiah tonight, and I'm excited about starting this book. I'd like you to turn there with me. If it's been a while since you've been in Isaiah, um, you're going to go to the Psalms and Proverbs, pass those up, going towards the New Testament. And go a little bit further, you're going to get to the book of Isaiah. Just before Jeremiah, Isaiah. Literally, he mean, his name means the Lord saves or the Lord is salvation. Um, Isaiah spoke to the people of his generation, 8th century BC, but he also spoke, as many of you know, prophetically to uh, generation upon generation. I'll talk to you a little bit about the division of his book, but you know that As you've studied the New Testament, Isaiah is the most often quoted prophet regarding the coming of the Messiah. Uh, He gives us both insight to the coming of the Messiah, but also even to the resurrection and the end times. And we'll see that throughout the book of Isaiah as well. Such majestic prophecy in the book of Isaiah that liberal scholars have questioned its authenticity, as often happens with books of the Bible. Uh, liberal scholars, I think the latest argument is they've offered three Isaiahs. They say there can't possibly be one Isaiah that could so accurately predict uh, the name of the King Cyrus, uh, the specific predictions of the coming of the Messiah, the virgin birth, and on and on it goes. So they've argued for at least uh, two and some three uh, Isaiahs to try to uh, give a naturalistic explanation to a book that is obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit But one way we can put that to rest, and I'll show it to you, just so if you ever get someone who talks to you about this, is go hold your finger in Isaiah and go to John. I'm going to show you where John quotes from the beginning and near the end of the book of Isaiah in John 12, John chapter 12. And this is just to show you that there is one author of Isaiah. The Bible knows nothing about multiple Isaiahs because this book is prophetic, And it speaks to both to the generation that Isaiah spoke to, but also to future generations, to those who would be in the future Babylonian captivity, which would come much later. And we'll talk about some of those dates and even on into the future of the Messiah and even into the millennium, where we'll look at Isaiah chapter 65 and 66 that will deal with the new heavens and the new earth. And uh, it's just a majestic book. But if you look at John 12, verse 35, Jesus therefore said to them, for a little while longer, the light is among you. John twelve thirty five, walk while you have the light that darkness may not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light in order that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and he departed and hid himself from them, 37. But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. That the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report? Brothers and sisters, what chapter is that from Isaiah? That's chapter 53. Okay? Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this cause they could not believe, for Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes. He has hardened their heart lest they see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted and I heal them. Uh, That is from Isaiah chapter six, specifically verse 10. So right here in these couple of verses, you have quotations from Isaiah 53 and Isaiah six from both uh, halves, if you will, or the beginning and end of the book of Isaiah to show you that the Bible knows nothing of multiple Isaiahs but attributes the quotations to one author of prophetic scripture. Notice what he says, 41. These things Isaiah said, not multiple Isaiahs, because he saw his glory and spoke of him. And I would submit to you, brothers and sisters, the hymn there is Jesus. Nevertheless, many even of the rulers uh, believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. I would submit to you to verse, uh, looking at verse 41, the glory that was seen, speaking of Jesus, connects back to the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah chapter 6. Turn back to the book of Isaiah, if you will. So the structure of Isaiah is interesting and important. Chapters 1 through 39 in Isaiah speak to his own generation, and he's writing, starting around 739 B.C., so the 8th century, Chapters 40 through 55 address the Babylonian captivity, which was future to Isaiah when he wrote, because the Babylonian captivity happens what year? 586 BC, right? So we're talking much later, because Isaiah is around the 700s in there. And then the last uh, chapters, 56 through 66, Speak to the people after the exile and look into the future of what is often called the golden age or the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. So Isaiah speaks about the grace of God toward Israel, particularly in the last 27 chapters. So this, think about this. Isaiah has 66 chapters. Your Bible has how many? 66 books. The first 39 chapters speak of God's character and judgment. How many books in the Old Testament? Thirty-nine, The last 27 chapters of Isaiah, chapters 40 through 66, speak of the hope and grace of God poured out to the people of God, that is, the people of Israel. And we know the New Testament has how many books? 27 books. The last 27 chapters of Isaiah speak of the grace of God toward Israel. One of the debates that's happened in scholarship along the lines, if you uh, study different views and different uh, theologies and so forth, you will find a debate as to whether or not uh, God is still blessing ethnic Israel. And so there's a question, will God deal again with the people of Israel or the land of Israel? Or has the church replaced Israel, often called replacement theology? And there are people that argue, no, God's not going to work again in the actual literal nation of Israel. He's done with them, and the church has replaced Israel. A couple of promises I want to highlight for you as we do an introduction. Look at Isaiah 49, uh, these beautiful promises to to Israel, and I could tell you uh, a lot more and show you some more verses, but look at Isaiah 49 and look at verse 15. Mm, Go to 14. (laughs) Isaiah 49:14 But Zion another name for Jerusalem or Israel said The Lord has forsaken me and the Lord has forgotten me Isaiah 49:15 Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb Even these may forget but I will not forget you Behold Isaiah 49:16 I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands Your walls are continually before me. A beautiful promise to Israel. God will not give up on his people. A remnant remains, and God will work again in Israel. Please turn to Isaiah 43. Another beautiful promise that God will work again in the actual literal nation of Israel. Look at verse one, Isaiah 43, one. But now thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob. Jacob was uh, renamed to Israel and he who formed you O Israel this is Isaiah 43 1 do not fear for I have redeemed you I have called you by name you are mine so many many promises to the people of Israel in the book of Isaiah that we'll dig out a little bit more as we go but Isaiah uh, is a glorious prophetic book as I mentioned and it has much to say uh, to us about what's going on in our present day and in the church. One other evidence that um, I'd like to just lay out to you, the Dead Sea Scrolls are a cache of approximately 1,100 ancient texts written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Among these are over 220 biblical manuscripts. I had a chance to see these when I was in Jerusalem, and Alan was along with me on a trip in 2006 when they were on display there in Jerusalem. And there are 220 biblical manuscripts that dated from the 2nd century B.C. to the 1st century A.D. Just so you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls, this major uh, disc- manuscript discovery uh, that was ha- happened in 19, I think it's 1947, represented every book of the Old Testament except Esther.
0: You've been listening to the Walk in Truth weekend program.
2: Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH.
0: We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, Back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And he who formed you,
1: O Israel, this is Isaiah 43, 1, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. So many, many promises to the people of Israel in the book of Isaiah that we'll dig out a little bit more as we go. But Isaiah uh, is a Glorious Prophetic book, as I mentioned, and it has much to say uh, to us about what's going on in our present day and in the church. One other evidence that um, I'd like to just lay out to you, the Dead Sea Scrolls are a cache of approximately 1,100 ancient texts written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Among these are over 220 biblical manuscripts. I had a chance to see these when I was in Jerusalem, and Alan was along with me on a trip in 2006 when they were on display there in Jerusalem. And they're 220 biblical manuscripts that dated from the 2nd century B.C. to the 1st century A.D. Just so you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls, this major manuscript discovery... Uh, that was ha- happened in 19, I think it's 1947, represented every book of the Old Testament except Esther. One of the major discoveries that uh, was yielded from the Dead Sea Scrolls was a copy of the Scroll of Isaiah, a complete copy of the Scroll of Isaiah, 66 chapters. It was compared to the uh, Uh, The most extant manuscript that we had, which dated a thousand years later than this discovery. So we found a manuscript of Isaiah a thousand years earlier than what we had in our present possession that we were translating English Bibles from. So scholars compared the now recent discovery 1,000 years later with a 1,000-year earlier manuscript to see about the authenticity and reliability of the Bible. As they compared word by word, they found that they are almost exactly identical. Which then leads you to the conclusion, logically, that the Hebrew scholars were very, very meticulous in copying the Bible. You have a thousand year windows, no Xerox copier, uh, nothing to do any modern copying on. And yet the scribal process is very meticulous and very accurate. So that the book of Isaiah that you're reading today and you hold in your hand, you can trust as the word of God. I want you to look in Isaiah Verse 1 with me, Isaiah 1.1. 1, 1. Isaiah describes uh, this particular word as a vision. He says, the vision, singular Bible students, not visions, but the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, concerning Judah and Jerusalem, which he saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, So the focus of the book of Isaiah is mostly on the southern kingdom of Judah. This is after the division of the kingdoms. You had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. So the focus here is on the south, that is Jerusalem and Judah. The temptation of a modern reader of Scripture would be to look at much of what Isaiah says and apply it to the United States. Because we look at the media and we look at much of what's going on in our world and we say, that's the problem. It's those commercials in between when we're trying to watch a football game with our kids and we have to, you know, block the TV and and turn away or whatever. It's this. It's politics. It's that. But the modern reader should pay attention that the book is addressed to the people of, notice, Judah and Jerusalem in the middle of verse one. That is God's people, if you will, the people of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, the ones that he has inscribed on the palms of his hands, the apple of his eye, the people that he loves, the one that he calls his bride in the Old Testament. So if we're gonna be accurate as Bible students, we have to first remember that context. But if we're gonna make application in a modern sense, the best application we can make is not to the United States, but to the church. Very, very important that you understand that. Because it's easy to move back from reading texts like this. We have to be careful between the old and new covenants. We have to understand the grace of God manifested in Jesus, all of that. But we still have to understand that it is easy sometimes to kind of uh, move back from these books and blame everybody else for what's going on, for the lack of revival, for the lack of the power of the Holy Spirit that we would long to see in in today's uh, church culture. But if we're going to be honest with the Bible, I think what we need to do is first and foremost look in the mirror and say, God, what are you saying to me as I read the book of Isaiah? I don't wanna just nudge my neighbor every time I hear a good one that I think is for them. Did you hear that, honey? Did you hear that? Oh, I wish old so-and-so was here listening to this sermon. No, it's for you. It's for you. This is a vision that Isaiah saw. What's the word vision in Hebrew mean? It means a sight. It could mean a dream or a revelation. But it is a vision directed at God's people of Judah and Jerusalem. It is a vision that he saw, but what he saw specifically was a word from the Lord. If you go to Isaiah 2 and look at verse 1 quickly, it says, The word which Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. What he saw was the word of God. It was God's word to his people. It was his message. Who has believed our report? Now, when did Isaiah start to prophesy? Well, the conclusion is around 739 BC. And that is the year that King Uzziah died. If you go to chapter six, this is Isaiah's call. Isaiah six, in the year King Uzziah, of King Uzziah's death, six one, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, remember he saw the word and here he sees a vision of the Holy One. I saw uh, the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with a train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, The whole earth is full of his glory. And by the way, that has not changed. The whole earth testifies to the glory of God. And when Isaiah saw this, notice the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. And then I said, notice, woe is me. I want you to keep that word woe in mind because we'll come back to that in chapter one. I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Often prophets were called seers. They were the ones that were able to see past the initial outward uh, signs of a generation, what the messages of the culture said just externally. So a prophet was called a seer because he could see beyond, because he had spiritual eyes to see, because he was bringing a message of the Lord to the people. Often the people could only look at the externals and try to go with the flow and try to go for natural solutions or what we might call self-salvation. Now I'd submit to you that one of the big lessons that we'll learn in the book of Isaiah is that we will always fight the desire to save ourselves.
0: You've been listening to The Lord Is, part one on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 1, 1 through 6. A reminder that you can also listen to Walk in Truth on this station, Monday through Friday at either 4 a.m. or 10.30 p.m. And Walk in Truth is on your favorite podcast app. There's much more to listen to, so tune in. Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, Isaiah is a beautiful book to start the Christmas season
1: because it's filled with Christmas prophecy. For example, the prophecy of Emmanuel is in Isaiah chapter 7. The prophecy about his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace is in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. Incredible promises, not only about the coming of the Messiah, but the coming of the messianic kingdom, what we often call the millennial reign of Christ, where the wolf and the lamb will lie down together, where there will be peace in all my holy mountain. That's going to be in Isaiah chapter 2 and 11 and later in 65 and 66. I'm excited, and I'm sure you can tell, about the book of Isaiah being aired on Walk in Truth. Hey, thank you. I wanted to take a moment to say thank you to all of our prayer partners and Walk in Truth partners. Deeply appreciate you giving to this ministry, giving your time, giving your prayers, and giving your finances to it. We can't make it without you we want to expand our reach and the lord is blessing so thank you consider becoming a partner right here with walk in truth you can give through our website at walkintruth.com that's walkintruth.com and i just wanted to say on a personal note just just thank you thank you thank you for all of you who are part of it those of you who have sent encouraging messages in the last couple of months it means a lot uh we we are in a studio we're uh you know, We're putting forth teaching that uh, we've done over the years, and uh, we don't always know the, the kind of impact it's making, but when we hear from you, it's beautiful and encouraging. And if you want to send us a note, send it at walkintruth.com. Hey, tell us about how the program's been a blessing to you, walkintruth.com. Well, if you're listening locally on KKLA or if you're a podcast listener, This is Pastor Michael Lance, and I want to invite you to a Sunday morning service at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor. I would love to meet you. Why don't you come on out? We have two Sunday morning services, 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. The church is located right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue, a little bit, uh, let's see, that would be west of the 91 and 15 Freeway, so it's pretty conveniently located, We'd love for you to come to Sunday morning services. We have a youth group at the second service. We have a full Sunday school program for your kids. And it is an amazing fellowship, great worship team, great loving people, uh, just great servants. Uh, I know that you'll enjoy it. So come on out. You can get information in driving directions when you go to walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Click on the church tab and you'll find out everything you need to know. And I'll meet you in the courtyard. We'll see you here. Have a beautiful, wonderful, blessed Sunday.
0: And one more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Thanks to listeners and church partners like you, we're now on three more radio stations. So praise God. Hey, if you're a longtime listener, please become a partner of at least $5 a month. You can visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. And join us on Monday for part two of Pastor Michael Lance's next teaching in Isaiah 1 through 6 called The Lord Is. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, have a great weekend and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.